Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Picture Must Be Doing Something Right podcast. This is the first episode in a new mini-series I'm doing uh, called The Contenders, where we're going to be reviewing all 10 of this year's Best Picture nominees. My name is Joseph, I'm here with Jamie. Hello. It's good to be back, good to be back reviewing it's films been, been again. been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just uh, waiting for war season to roll back around and yeah, we just had the nominations come out last Tuesday and we're going this on the Sunday following that. So it's on the 13th, they came out on Tuesday the yeah. 8th. And um, yeah, I still have to wait a bit of a while to find out the results as well. Um, that's not and until... March, right? I believe it's March 27th. That's a late um, one. Because of uh, Winter Olympics. Right, um, okay. Uh, coverage of that. That's usually the reasons. I mean, traditionally it was um, around March time. I've got a poster on my wall of the uh, from the 45th Academy Awards, which is the year that Godfather won Best Picture. And I've just got right. the date on there. It's March 27th, 1973. That was oh, on a well, Tuesday. Okay. So it's going to be exactly, um, pretty, how many years? 49 years um, since then. Um, obviously, because obviously the Godfather's just had its 50th uh, release. Anyway, off topic. Uh, so, yeah, so the, uh, the nominations came out on Tuesday. I did a predictions episode uh, last week. I did all right in my predictions, not great, just over 70% uh, correct. I'd hope to get better once the actual uh, ceremony winners come around. But yeah, there's a couple of shockers in there. Um, what are your general thoughts on the um, Oscar nominations this year? Well, there's a lot. Of, it's a, it was a really good year for film. It was 2021, right. but yeah, I don't think there's another Godfather. It's not going to be a repeat in terms of um, staying power. Yeah, as it was 50 years ago. Yeah, is, is my view of it. But so there's no memorable really, ones that are gonna. Yeah, there's gonna no, hold I, the I test of time. So. Yeah. The films are all really quality, but like I, I, I wouldn't say. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit of a negative start, but I'll leave it on the note that the films are all really quality, and it's a, a tough year. And I think there's a few obvious contenders and a few yeah. sneaky ones in there that might yeah. get there because preferential voting. Mm-hmm. Who I think we'll talk about in a, a bit more later. That might yeah. sneak their way into the win. Couple, you know, like if they get third or fourth choice. If yeah. a lot of people put it as like a third or fourth choice, it's going to um, like uh, like. Uh, Green Book, as we talked about before. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, but well, it's actually a good point to be fair because one of the big reasons that Green Book won it was up against Roma, which yeah. had um, a couple of difficulties uh, to overcome. The first one being that a foreign language film hadn't won Best Picture. It's since happened with Parasite, but that was yeah. more of a film you could root more towards. It was more, much more rewatchable. And I saw a uh, poll the other day was saying, what's the best best picture winner of like the last four winners? So Nomadland, Parasite, Green Book, and um, The Shape of Water. Ooh, and contenders. And um, yeah, Parasite was like 90% of the votes. Of course, so, yeah. you know, it was one of those ones where it had a lot going for it. Up against 1917, um, it had just that that passion of support and it was one of those ones where, where I was watching the ceremony as soon as Bong was announced as director winner it was like yeah this contest is just over it just, <laughs> it just has one best victory at this point if, you know if, if Sam Mendes wasn't going to win best director then it just wasn't going to win pe- uh, best picture so that was one thing it had to overcome the other thing it had to overcome which is which will bring us on to the film that we're talking about today is the, the Netflix factor um a lot yeah, of people in the industry, a yeah, a lot, a lot of people in the industry are very against the new Netflix method of 
putting their films straight onto Netflix rather than going um, releasing cinemas. Yeah. Um, this one has been released in cinemas, this film that we talked about today, The Power of the Dog, which is also the front runner for Best Picture and the nomination leader with 12 nominations this year. And it's and, also um, available on... And it's a Netflix film. Netflix, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that is something that has to overcome. But I think post-pandemic, it's a case where, like last year, all of the films basically went straight on VOD. So uh, Land was a Hulu film, for example, just because we couldn't well, see these films in cinemas most, most of the case. But we could it, see most of these films the, in cinemas this year. Add it to the list of the million things that the pandemic changed is that now that the Oscars have to take, stream streaming distributed films a lot more serious absolutely and um i do think now is probably the time for a streaming based film to win best picture i don't know if you'd class nomadland as that film but it did still do pretty well at the box office actually in fairness based on its five million um budget it i was looking at this because i was honestly that if if the power of the dog won best picture this year it would be the um Lowest grossing film to ever win Best Picture. I was just double checking. Right. Okay, it's Nomadland. Well, that's not Nomadland made like thirty five million in the box office still, um, even even though it was dual distributed, uh, just because of the um, just because of the interest in the film and uh, it looked really really good on on the big screen as well. I only saw it on, uh, at home, but that was what, a film that would look really last year. I got it right last year in Nomadland, yeah. It was one of those straightforward ones, open and shut sort of cases, yeah. um, if I'm being honest. I think you went for, like, Trial of Chicago 7, though. Um, no, which was a I, Netflix film. Did you I? predict that? Yeah. I might, yeah. I might, I might re-listen, because I didn't really think... I still haven't seen that, by the way. <laughs> I'll, let me, I'll look at nominations while you're... Uh... Well, yeah, so I introduced today's film that yeah. we're going to be talking about. So today's film, as I say, is the nomination leader and the front runner for heavy front runner for best picture is The Power of the Dog, directed by Jane Campion and starring Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith McPhee, and Thomasin McKenzie. Uh, the film is a New Zealand um, film, uh, as I say, distributed by Netflix, and it, and the plot summary is Charismatic Ranch. Rancher uh, Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and a son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. Uh, I'm not really sure about that as a uh, as a plot summary, to be honest. IMDb. Oh, that's that's not really. Yeah, that's not really how I saw it at all. I think it's a difficult one because it's very much an atmospheric film rather than a plot based film. Oh yeah, I mean it's one of the something that annoyed me. Uh, is that there's a lot of conflicts that could have been avoided. Yeah. But it is just the case of um, it's such a character heavy. These characters yeah. don't like each other. So that's where we're, we're going to yeah. get to a lot of avoidable conflict. It's it's a dynamics based film rather than telling a story. I yeah, that's, that's a fair way of putting it. Yeah. So it's very much about the relationship between Benedict Cumberbatch's character and Kirsten Dunst's character. Um, they don't like each other at all, and that's probably the central theme of the film. Um, so Kirsten Dunst's character is the one that's married to Jesse Plemons' character uh, in the film. And it's really weird how that romance comes about. Um, the thing, I, because it's one of those things where they're sort of like, um, there was a scene where sort of like all the ranches are there together and. Uh, uh, Cumberbatch is just being horrible to to the kid, played by Cody Smith-McPhee, uh, Peter, who is um, Rose's son, and Rose is crying in the kitchen because they're being horrible to Peter, basically about his like flowers that he'd made 
yeah, uh, paper flowers. Yeah. yeah. So the, so she's there crying in the kitchen, and and uh, Jesse Fleming's character George, who's the brother of Cumberbatch's character Phil, he goes into the kitchen to sort of console her, and then next thing you know, they're off getting married. It's like what? It's, you, you know what it reminded me of? You know that scene in Family Guy where um where Stewie goes and kicks a football and then he suddenly become say the, the greatest soccer player to ever come out of the school so it's like that was easy it's one of those where it's sort of like <laughs> goes to talk goes to talk to woman gets married <laughs> that was easy and, i think this yeah. is the only time this year uh power of the dog will be compared to family guy yeah but somehow absolutely. it worked <laughs> it does because it's one of those ones where it just anything that's to do with plot this film just rushes straight through and it's weird because everything yeah. else is done so slowly. That's what you, that's why I think your example are really good, but calling it a dynamics based film. It's yeah. it's like an action film sometimes rushes to get to the next sequence. This film rushes to get to the next argument. Yeah, next interaction conflict, between character, yeah. yeah. And um it just I think what holds it all together is the strength of the acting is so good. Yeah. It wouldn't and have got the as direction far as it is as without this curse. It's so smart because it is a slow burn. Like first hour or so, you're struggling. You're really struggling. First yeah, hour. It took a while for me to get hooked in. And then it's one of those ones where, like, oh mate, this is actually quite good. By the time that you get sort of towards the end of it, and you work it out, and especially once you get to like the final half hour, which I think is really, really good. And that's actually, I don't want to spoil it too much. We'll talk about spoilers, um, I'll, I'll say, when it's safe to listen to if you've already <laughs> seen the film. Uh, so we can talk about spoilers. But I think that the way that sort of like the main bit at the end is handled is continues the theme of whenever something important happens, it's all rushed through, yeah, uh, which, is fine, which, which is fine. Which is fine. Because it's all about, relationships between characters and they become pretty consistent between the two and and what the dynamic changes is that when so like phil for example feels differently towards so, so we see him sort of like his relationship changing with uh, with peter over time you sort of it's sort of a case like right is he being serious or not yeah, I mean, I, I guess I know it's on purpose but the tone did kind of frustrate me sometimes yeah because i i I didn't know how seriously we were supposed to take Phil. And yeah. I've come to the conclusion, well, sort of, without, without going to spoilers, is that obviously the dude's like a massive prick, but he's, <laughs> he, he's not, he's not like, he's not dangerous. He's not like a, he's not like a villain. No. If that makes sense. I don't really know. If and I don't think it. he's like an anti-hero either. I think no, only... no, it's just some guy. <laughs> That's that's what makes the, the character study quite interesting. Yeah, it's because there's no real opinion of him. You know, Kirsten Dunst's opinion of him. You know, Jesse Plemons' um, character's oh. opinion of him. And you also know the. I think what's interesting is the there's that um, there's that scene where this is sort of like a party scene, which is sort of like um, I know that Kirsten Dunst in the interview is saying that that was the point where everything sort of changes. Is that scene where um, Phil isn't present at the party? And he turns up later, and the other people in the in the party are just waiting for him. Like, oh, when's Phil going to get here? Because yeah. he's like so much more interesting than everyone else. There's so much to him. You're trying to work him out the whole time, and that's why I think that Cumberbatch does so well. In order to, I don't know, in terms of 
it, it makes him a very enigmatic character. You think you've got him worked out in the first hour, yeah. but then the more you see of him, it's like, hold up, there's more to this guy. Yeah, is he dangerous? Think... Is there something that's going to happen? Like, is he going to be violent or like that? Absolutely. You're waiting for that for that um, thing to burn up into something. And it, it pulls back in a way, like it peels yeah. back the character in a way you want. <laughs> to be fair, you, you see signs of, but you weren't really expecting to get to know the character that well. Yeah. Obviously, we're all going to details, but I thought, ah, oh, I thought we we're going to be one of them films where it just keeps the main character like enigmatic and shrouded in mystery for the entire time. But actually, it all makes sense. Because I was thinking, like, especially first half hour, you're just thinking, this guy is the worst. Yeah. I don't know how I can how I can stand spending this much time with him. So, like a film like um, another one of the films that has been an Oscar contender this year is uh, The Lost Daughter. That was a film that lost me a lot because I didn't get on with the central character. Like I didn't, I didn't want to spend time with this character. I thought they just weren't all right, you know. Well, Olivia Commons. Yeah, yeah, Olivia Commons character in that film. I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this because of the character. And I thought that might be a similar case with this. But as you peel back, and it sort of like it opens stuff up a lot more once Peter comes back. Once that being we mo- said. I'm yeah. happy that Olivia Coleman got nominated again. <laughs> it uh, seems like she's 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 like a new uh, Oscar favorite. Yeah, yeah, she's got a good chance of winning this year. But we'll um, we'll, so to be fair, we won't be able to have a good opportunity to talk about the best actress contenders this year because none of the films are nominated for best picture. Oh, uh, the Ricardo Spencer, Perot Mothers, The Lost Door, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. What, oh wow! I actually. Is it is there a reason? Do you think? What does that say about the films that are nominated, Joseph? Well, to be spot? well, to be fair, in terms of the best picture nominations this year, there's not that many lead actress contenders from them. You've got, I think, Drive My Car does have a lead actress contender, but I'm not too sure. Um, Coda um, has Amelia Jones. That would have been nice if she got nominated. Um, and West Side Story also has Rachel Zegler, but she wasn't really a major contender that either. Is really and bizarre. um. Uh, Alana Holm, a lot of people thought was going to get nominated for Liquid Pizza. I, I predicted her, but she didn't get in. Yeah, that, that would have been a good pick. But yeah. To, anyway, to them two categories. Anyway, moving back to what we were talking about before, because um, <laughs> I have no idea what best best actors are going to go to this year. I'll, we'll talk about that once we actually do a prediction show, um, which will sh- should have come probably end of March. I'd say yeah, yeah. once we see the. Basically, I'm just going to go with Forever Sags so, for that. Um, but yeah, um, I think. Um, the dynamic opens a lot more once uh, Cody Speak McFee comes back. Um, he like disappears for, like half, like midway through the film, doesn't he? Because he's sort of like, he's like, is he like a science student or something? Well, um, times where characters just disappear. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. like a section of the film where Benedict Cumberbatch isn't there and we're kind of just following Jesse Plemons, yeah. which is great. He is fantastic and is quite, quite a muted role but definitely such a great which is against type as well yeah, yeah if you, quite if you think um, where he took off in like breaking bird yeah exactly so um and his nomination i think is a lot more of a career nomination rather than for this film it supports how strong this film is in terms yeah. of its awards chances that he gets in because it's not the kind of performance that they would normally nominate 
but I think it's one of those ones where he's worked with so many people now. There's a lot more, a lot of goodwill for him. I think every everyone's got like yeah, his stock is uh, definitely rising. Definitely, as he was, you know, he's in Houston back beside it. Was nominated for best picture last year as well, and uh, the Irishman the year before. You know, he's been in quite a few major best picture contenders now. One of the yeah. fun little trivia things is that his uh, wife is also nominated for uh, Oscar. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, they play also for Power of the Dog. Yeah, exactly, and they play husband and wife in the film. I just think that's it's one of them fun trivia Oscar trivia things that's going to be in quizzes. Yeah, yeah, it's also... because it's one of those ones where sometimes you have like I'm saying it's not often it happens in the same year. You've had like um, Fast and Dorman and film. Joel Cohen nominated in the same year and stuff, but that's in like acting and then in directing. Screen but Joseph, that's not the only one. <laughs> That's not the yeah. only couple this year. There's Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. Very good show. For Best Actor and Best Actress. Yep. That's that insane. Is, is that the yeah. first year that's happened? Probably. I'm not trawling through all the uh, uh, all the previous years to work out. <laughs> Do you think uh, Kirsten Dunst could have been nominated for Best Actress? Why, why was she up for supporting? No, this is definitely supporting. This right. is. I don't think this is lead. I think Cumberbatch is just the sole lead in this film. That's fair. I don't think she's. I I, I haven't seen the um in terms of like timings, but I don't think this is category for at all. I think supporting is fair. Um, I don't know if she has the chances. Should, should we get onto the the nominations it's received? Um, because we've probably talked about as much as we can before. Um, before the juicy fair, bits. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, before that, I just generally want to get your thoughts. Do you, do you think this is a, a strong film? Do you think this film looks like a? Because we'll talk about its, its best picture nomination now. Is like, do you yeah. think it's worthy as a best picture contender this year? I think it absolutely is. Yeah, but I don't know in what sense. You see, Joseph, it feels I... like a best picture nominee, doesn't it? It feels like a best picture winner. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I don't know is what this... it is about it. Is this a first choice winner? Or is it more of a sneaky winner like a green book? Is it going to get a lot of third and fourth, you know, in the preferential ranking? This is the thing. I can't right? tell. You think this yeah. is a first pick? I think it's a first pick just based on the hype and how dominant it's been in award season so far. Yeah. Nomination leader. It won the Golden Globe. It will probably win BAFTA as well. It's going to be one that just picks up loads and loads of wins over time. But I think if people are genuinely coming down to it, would would this be your number one film yet? I don't think that many people would say this is my favorite film of the year. Well, I think it's a most I think it's very yeah. strong, but it it feels like a best picture winner yeah. in terms of its look, its direction, the standard of its acting. This the fact that it's been nominated in twelve, uh, eleven different categories, twelve nominations in all, shows how strong it is as a technical film as well as a, an above the line film, which really strengthens its case. But what I'm struggling with is when it really comes down to it. Can you genuinely say that this is this would be your favourite film? Do you? I, I find it hard pressed for people to say that it is. I think, but I think like, it'll probably pick up twos and threes, even even if it isn't, which will which will lead it to victory. It's going to get the win. It's going to get a lot of ones, twos, and threes. It's going to get a lot of top threes. I think my choice I for yeah. sneaky pick, my, my green book, as it was, is going to be Don't Look Up. Uh, I don't want it to win, but no. it's got a lot of things in it that Hollywood likes. And I think it might sneak its way through. Lucky for the nomination, if I'm being honest, that isn't just nah. I I, I can't see that. I'm afraid. But I'm, Belfast it didn't get director. Belfast might get a lot of top threes. Belfast didn't get editing. That... That's the thing. 
and it missed in two places. At least it's it got best got. director. You know, swings and yeah. roundabouts. It did get best guy, best director, which helps. Yeah, over um, Denis Villeneuve, Dune, which is probably the surprise miss of the day, which I think pretty much everyone had in their predictions. Um, no, I'm not against I, it though. I don't know, I'll be kind of Dune, but we'll review that once it comes to it. Dune uh, did not get as much love as I think. It, it was supposed expecting. to. People were expecting it to be nomination leader. It's still got double figures. Still got ten. Um, it's very much the populist choice of this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can't see it winning. If I'm being honest, um, I think it's a similar case with um, best actor as well, in terms of the way that I was. I've been listening to quite a few Oscars podcasts and sort of like in preparation for these shows, and there's the case where when you talk about best actor, a lot of people are saying, um, "Oh, I think it's between Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith." But my favourite was Andrew Garfield. It's stuff like that, which I think is just really interesting. And if the it's so disappointing. If Tick Boomer got into Best Picture, I'd be thinking maybe Andrew Garfield takes this. But at the moment, it is definitely between Cumberbatch and Will Smith. Do you think Cumberbatch does enough in this film to win Best Actor? I yes, don't think he does. Will Smith might get the career win. Yeah, and his his I haven't seen it yet, but his performance is also completely worthy, as far as I understand. So. Mm. Have you seen no, it? I have seen King Richard. Right, yes. interesting. What were you thinking then? I mean, I mean, again, we'll talk about this when we talk about King Richard in full, but it's sort of like, I think that film works so much better as a film about Venus Williams more than it does about Richard. So once it changes right. its, its directional sense into being about the progression of Venus Williams' career rather than the idea of of Richard as a coach to sort of like build these kids into the best tennis players of all time. That's that's what surprised me. And I don't know why Sonia Sydney isn't nominated in Sporting Actress. She should have been there. But I don't think uh, I don't think either, to be honest, do enough in their films to say they're definitive winners. That's what makes that m- makes the category quite open this year. It's because there's no, it's not like I was expecting with this Cumberbatch performance, sort of like similar to like Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood, sort of like that big, sort of grander kind of performance. Um, if, if he was a mod, towering, bluntly v- yeah. villainous character, yeah, or outwardly angry or violent, definitely. But there isn't, but... he doesn't sort of have that moment, does he? No, where no, where you sort of they're like, yeah, give him the award, which I think just makes it a difficult win for him. Sort of like in the vein of Michael Keaton in Birdman, who lost to Eddie Redmayne in The Theory of Everything. So like Birdman was the best picture winner that year. Realistically, Michael Keaton should have yeah, won fantastic performance. Should have won yeah. best actor that year on paper. Not in terms of quality of performance, but on paper in terms of how the Oscars work. That should have gone along with it. But the fact is Michael Keaton doesn't like have that sort of one moment where you think like, yeah, that's the Oscar right there to to say for sure, and that allowed Eddie Redmayne in to go and sneak a win. So for me, Cumberbatch, I think it's probably his best performance that I've seen him give. Uh, he's also in a film called The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne that came out this year as well, which helps his case because he's got two strong performances this year. Um, whoa, 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 that's three, Joseph, three. What? It was in Spider-Man. Oh, well. No way home. Oh, of course. Of course. To be fair, he did give a good performance, so... So yeah, I mean, I mean, he's being watched. That's the thing. So he's and and he's campaigning hard as well for this. Literally, so I wouldn't be surprised if Cumberbatch wins. Um, Apparently, Will Smith is doing no um, no campaigning at all, which does surprise me. He'd be the kind of person that I'd thought would be, you know, 
the, no, the phrase maybe is, not this point the phrase is kissing story. babies um but I maybe think not this point this... i don't know apparently he's shooting a film at the moment but i i would have thought right. this sort of this this would be sort of like his time um but i think it's still quite up in the end at the moment again same with actress i'm waiting on sag uh but yeah i think coming back definitely deserves a nomination here i think that's fair uh director yeah it's gonna win director there's no especially with uh villeneuve out of the picture um and I think it does deserve its nomination in director as well because it's very consistent. It's one of those atmospheric films that do well in director. So yeah. Alfonso Cuarón winning for Roma. You've got uh, Alejandro González and Yaratu winning for The Revenant. Uh, even last year with uh, Corrigal winning for uh, Nomadland. You know these are the the ones with the big scenes, the 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 widespread cinematography with the open fields and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which just the Oscars absolutely films, eat up. Say. They eat up in director, even if they don't win picture, they tend to do well in director. And once something's an out there definite winner in director, it just does win picture. It just does. Um, the, the uh, I guess like the, the smaller, more atmospheric scenes allows the more subtle parts of directing to shine through, you know, that the Academy really gets attached to. Yeah. I think that's why that's the best explanation as I can give for it. It's just consistent films. Consistent in tone. Yeah, consistency. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and it's definitely much more consistent than some of the other contenders in uh, Best Director this year. Um, Even if they might be more showy, so some like Steven Spielberg and West Side yeah. Story is a very showy, um, very showy direction, and the same with kind of Branagh to a certain extent in Belfast. Um, but I feel like that is a film that I think it's a better film than this, but it is one that lacks in consistency in terms of tone. Where this one is very consistent in tone, probably sort of to a detriment to it because it doesn't have that explosive sort of moment or one that really keeps you on the edge of your seat in terms of its sort of tension. Yeah, yeah. but. It is. It's just craft. Just crafted it has so tension, well. but it's just much more grounded. The stakes yeah. are much lower than you would yeah. expect from like a best actor win. Yeah. Uh, supporting actor is it's got two nominations in Jesse Plemons, as we talked about before. Uh, his nomination is to win uh, for Jesse Plemons. Every but... every year we talk about splitting the vote, and it keeps coming down to these supporting categories. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned. I don't know. Cody Actually, will it? Will it split the vote? I don't no. know if many people are going to shift towards Cody, even though it was a really good performance. Two of the last four nominations... Sorry, two of the last four winners in supporting actor have won the category up against their own co-star. So I think the idea of splitting the vote is just gone. So Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya last year won for Judas and Black Messiah against Lucky Stanfield. And then um, in 2017, uh, Sam Rockwell won for... Three billboards Three outside billboards, Edward, yeah. Missouri up against Woody Harrelson. So, so I don't think, think the voters, the voters like, I don't think it works that way. Because the thing well, is, Jesse Clemens, he's got, he's got BAFTA and he's got the Oscar nomination. He hasn't been nominated at Golden Globe, was nominated at Chris Choice, was nominated at SAG. So, Cody Spink McPhee already won the Golden Globe. He's going to win everything else and he's going to win the Oscar. It's it's much more of a show performance. He has much greater impact on the film. It is oh, you, one you, of the ingenue kind of performances. It, 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 he's going to win. Cody Smith McPhee. Cody Smith McPhee is going to win supporting actor this year. Oh, who do you, think, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win supporting actor? I missed. I thought you were saying Jesse Plemons were going to be. The Plemons favorite. isn't going to win. No, the nomination right. is a win for him. Right. Um, I just think 
So you're saying that splitting the vote doesn't happen anymore. So when it dominates a category, they I'm not saying it doesn't universal happen. Sort of, this, is think, a, this is the favourite. There's, the there's too much evidence in recent years to say that it's not that big a deal as possible as long as there's one that they're campaigning above the other. That makes sense. Right, so I think yeah. from the same film, it makes... The, the, show, the showier yeah. choice, almost. Yeah. And the fact right. that Cody's been just winning and he's been campaigning and he fits the category of kind of the kind of contender that wins supporting actor these days, I, f- I think he's got it. Yeah, yeah. Fact, yeah, I'll yeah. go with you on that. Yeah, uh, Kristen Dunst nominated in supporting actress. Fair place for for that I don't uh, think nomination. She'll win, but d- deserves no. the nomination. Deserves the nomination. Absolutely. Really good performance. Yeah, I did. If she wins, I wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, but I think that'll be um, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, <sighs> which is a very good performance. I, I I don't like West Side Story at all, and um, we'll do an episode on that later. I, I don't think West Side Story is going to be that big of a winner at the. Uh, no, yeah. even though I don't like the film, she's hands down the best supporting actress contender this year. She's amazing in that film. She's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's a really complete performance. It's one of those um, discovery kind of uh, contenders this year that the Oscars love to do. Anoint the next star as such. So uh, I think she, she'll have that in the back rather than Kirsten Dunst. But she could be a, could upset if she... Um, um, if there's a number two, it might be Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Adapted screenplay, um, I would have thought Coda would be a film that would be competing well on that one, but um, yes, uh, yeah, I know. In terms of like competing for the win, but I just don't think it had the oh, right. showing uh, on Oscars day because I was thinking sort of like um, just sort of like Juno winning Miss Cat in oh, original, yeah, yeah. but those kind of ones win in original rather than adapted. Um, I think Power of the Dog wins in adapted. Even though I don't, I don't think is it a well-written film though. Really, it's not a dialogue-heavy film. Is it? Is it about the script or is it about the atmosphere and the performances? I think what lifts it. Not that the, the script's really good, but I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's going to. I don't think it's there. a natural screenplay contender, but I think it goes along with it winning. Yeah, I think there's a massive picture. chance it's just going to. It could just storm every category. So if people are just um, loving it as they're voting, they're just going to keep voting for it. Maybe. Uh, but I think it, yeah, I think it just about deserves some mention in adapted screenplay. If, uh, if I'm being fair about it, um, original score. Um, I think the score is good. I don't think it's not showy enough out there. Yeah, it might be a bit too quiet as a film to be. You know, if you, you compare to it, like a, no, but if it, if it's if you compare to something like Encanto and it's nominated, it's been like the Billboard album uh, number one and stuff. Um, it might. I don't know if it's going to be ones that like people are going to listen back to to check how good the score is. I think it's in the same encounter for best original score. Yeah, I think it's between those two, if I'm being honest as well. It's, I don't think this is a score that you stick on, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just have on in the background as much as uh, as other ones. So, like a Death Blast score, you might put on in the background, or a Hans Zimmer score, you might. As good as, um, oh, what's his name? Johnny Greenwood is. I don't think it's even his best score of the year. Uh, I think his score for Spencer is actually better. So. All right. But yeah. Yeah, um, it's not getting the win there, I don't Yeah. Uh, sound, I was surprised it got nominated in sound, to be honest. We'll win that. It's going to be... 
it's going to be a fight between June and West Side Story to win all these te- uh, technical categories. No, that's, it'll be June. Sound. Uh, production design it got nominated in. Against, it's about uh, fair. Yeah, it's not a set heavy film, but but because it's because um, it's historic based. And yeah. what you need to remember also stuff like uh, horse, ca- horse carriage. No, but you need to think like horse carriages and stuff. That all counts as production design. It's good, but it's not reinventing the wheel. No, I think it's just a, one of those ones where it just shows how strong it is. Uh, cinematography, I think, has a strong chance in. I think what might limit its chances in cinematography is that a lot of people will be watching it on Netflix. So they'll be watching it on smaller screens. If people are watching this on the big screen, the it'd be one The same we talked there. about with the director, though, he does have the, the showcase for it. Yeah. But I feel like a lot more people would have watched Dune in cinemas. Even though Dune was also one that was dual release on VOD, it was just a big cinematic. Yeah, release. like I saw, like I saw, cinematic like film, I saw yeah. Dune in the <laughs> cinema, but I didn't see Power of the Dog in cinema. So it might be a case where okay, I saw this chance. on the screen. I think it has a good chance, definitely. Yeah. I'm probably predicting it, but um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dune takes that instead. And then film editing, um, editing you need in best to be uh, winner in best picture. And the fact that it has editing just strengthens its case for Best Picture so much. There's only been one film in the last 40 years to win Best Picture without a Best Editing nomination, and that was Birdman, which is done with stitch editing, so you can't even see where the editing is. So, um, let me have, well, let's have a look. We, we're living in a post-Bohemian Rhapsody world. Yeah, of course. So let's that not talk is, about yeah. the tradition of, of editing. I, I, I want to think that one is a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, that that year was horrible. There was a. I was. I remember watching that so many, thinking there was a genuine chance of Bohemian Rhapsody winning Best Picture because it won literally all of its other categories up to that point. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, even so, it's sort of like when Green Book won, even though it's a, a terrible winner and by far the worst of the nominees of of the winners for the last decade. Um, it was still a bit of a relief just because it wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody. Um. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the spoiler section, I think, now. Um, to those that haven't seen the film, uh, would you recommend people check it out? I don't know. I was going to say give it a try, but the first hour is just such a... You have to commit yourself to it. it is, you yeah, you've got to be in the right mindset. We've and always it, said so yeah. far, if it sounds like if this very atmospheric, historical, character-driven film, if you like that, you'll love it. If not, then you might struggle you know, with it. To be honest, unless it wins, and then I think it's worth you seeing why it won. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth checking out uh, just for award purposes. But um, yeah, I, I give it four stars in my review when I first saw it, um, which I think is about fair um, in terms of its quality. But I don't think it's one of the year's best at all. But yeah, if you haven't seen it. I'd recommend checking it out um, just about just to see what the hype's all about. And if you haven't seen it and you don't want the film spoiled for you, I'd recommend turning off the podcast now. Thank you very much for listening, though. Thank and you. if you have seen the film, um, continue listening, and we'll talk about the like final half hour, which is the most exciting bit. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's talk about the final half hour or so on the film. That's so sneaky. I think the most sneaky the... little shit. <laughs> the most interesting part of this film is the the relationship that we don't actually see, the one that's already happened, is the relationship between Phil and br- the, the legendary Bronco Henry, the yeah. greatest rancher that's ever lived. You know what? He's, he's, he's a hero. 
is the new hero of the old west. I'd say, <laughs> dare I say, I've never seen him. Don't know what he looks like, but he's a legend. He's apparently just a legend amongst yeah. men. And it, that that sort of relationship um, makes the sort of relationship between Phil and with Cody, Cody Smith McPhee's character, who I've forgotten the name of, um, Bell, uh, Pete. uh Peter. Yeah, that what's that's what makes their relationship, especially in the last half hour of the film, really interesting because you can tell Phil is trying to be the Bronco Henry to Peter. I don't know to what extent, though. Is it going as far as he did with Bronco Henry, or is he just trying to be that, like, role model? Is He sees himself in Peter and is like, I can do for him what Bronco Henry did for me, you know, toughen it, him up. Yeah, and it's also that trying to be the, you know, because he's sort of, sort of like step-uncle, isn't he, in the, in the film? He's trying to be the, you know, I think Male role Digger, Yeah, exactly. Stepping up in terms of... I think just to put one over Rose and George... Well, he starts off like that, and then he gets... He starts to is actually connect with him and see that yeah. he's, not as, he's not as soft as he thought he was. Yeah. Is that actually, it's a really no, I can, interesting dynamic. I can do something with this. What because, we didn't talk about... Because yeah. I, I, I guess it's a good thing, because it might be a bit of a spoiler, that they're, mm-hmm. they're not... They're not working class ranchers like they presented. Oh. They are old money. Yeah. From big houses. Yeah, they went to college, or at least Phil went to college. He studied like the arts, yeah. uh, the classics, like Greek mm-hmm. and Latin. So he's not he's not like the working class hero he puts himself forward as. They've gone out there, they bought this land, I don't know, just for the easy money and the, the great location of it, well, relatively easy money for them who can just hire workers. Uh, you know, the parents I'm talking about here. Yeah. And he's, they've both, uh, Phil and Jesse Plemons' character, yeah. are both adapted to this lifestyle and they've really embraced it and they want to be part of it. Meanwhile, the parents then move away <laughs> and they've left them to it. And Phil, Phil out of both of them has, has become... Probably because of Bronco Henry, he he wants to put this 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 image forward of this like classic cowboy almost. Yeah, and and I find this really fascinating. The film doesn't go into it as much as it maybe could have. Yeah, because it becomes about the relationship between Phil yeah. and Peter. Because Peter never really trusts Phil at any point, just because of how antagonistic he is. He was at the start of the film and also towards his mother. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's where we get the twist at the end of the film with the whole um, like <laughs> rope, wasn't it? That was like, um, that was tainted that they, he has in the has in the water. Well, there's it? tons of symbolism around that, that uh, rope. I mean, the whole idea, I think, we, we find out later that Peter's father hung himself. So yep. it's that you can sort of infer that oh, Phil was just being classic prick, classic yeah. prick Phil, and he was like doing this whole thing to like it was like a massive lead up to the most elaborate joke ever. Yeah. Once he'd finished the rope, and then he actually got bonding with him. But for Peter, he's I don't know, been playing in the entire time. Yeah. It's it's it, when it comes together like that, I was quite impressed. I do have to admit. Yeah, he's just ready to strike. And then when you work it out, especially with that final shot, so so it's the case where Phil was killed by the by anthrax, isn't he? In terms of he's used the yeah. dis- disease cattle, um, what's it called? Um, uh, pelts. Yeah. 
um, which which also using that in the water sort of infected him. And we don't really see what happens with that. It's sort of a case where they're driving off to go to the hospital and then sort of to go to a doctor and suddenly he's just dead. Well, there's been multiple <laughs> Jesse Bowman's times. Just there, just there looking at coffins. It's like, what's happened here? It's they, the most dramatic moment of the film. They draw attention to the fact that Phil doesn't wear gloves. And again, it's about that classic rancher, tough as nail sort of image. Yeah. But what happens is he cuts himself multiple times because he don't wear gloves. Then when he uses the tainted pelt, he gets infected from that, which we can guess Peter knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, and we know that from that final shot of him at the window after the yeah. funeral, where Twirling he just turns, turns and looks at the camera. Winks at the camera, yeah. Yeah, that's when he's like, oh, okay, I get it. 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 Says, I, I see what's happened here. He yeah. said, that's the power of the dog, winks, and then it went to credits. Yeah. Not very subtle at the end there, but I still found it No, but you need it in order for it to all make sense. To tie it all together, yeah. Yeah. So so it's sort of like a, a happy ever after without Phil. And you're sort of like <laughs> you're, you're sort of like in two minds. It's sort of like does Phil really deserve that kind of treatment? Because all he's really done is done a bit of whistling to antagonize uh Rose. Play, he's, he's uh, just, ukulele, I think, was it? Yeah. Just stuff like that, just trying to get in ahead more than anything. I think what I'd probably put down as now nowadays was just a bit of friendly banter. But back well, then, I mean, he was he was trying to torment her. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I feel like um, the film Phil, got to, Phil got to a stage with with Peter where it was a case where he was actually quite open, especially because he knew about the Bronco Henry situation. Yeah, There's yeah. the scene where he sees him in the in the river uh, naked and stuff. There's a lot of um, Cheeks shots in this film. A lot of cheeks. <laughs> you did tell me before I yeah. watched it. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was sort of like, watch out for the cheeks. There's a lot of it. I'm surprised it's got a 12 rating, if I'm being honest. There's quite a few nude scenes. Yeah. Well... Full frontals. I'm very surprised it got to a 12, but anyway. Um, that, that's besides like the point. But that's I also feel like too... ratings care more about. The, the violence they get these days, yeah. I think they get a lot more stricter with violence. Of I course. don't know if it and, used and, to be yeah. the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did in, used to be the other way around. Yeah, of course. Implied homosexuality was, you know, you're, you're looking at a straight 15, if not 18. <laughs> or an um, R in America. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of implied uh, homosexuality in this film. There's a um, there's some other scenes that I wouldn't really want to mention. He ties his character together really well because she understand not only is he wanting to be like this this rich dude wants to live live like the the cool rancher lifestyle as he sees it, like he's romanticized it, but he's he's projecting this outward, very, very stereotypical um image of masculinity. Yeah. Which i I'm not too familiar with uh Jane Jane Campion films, but yeah. as far as the internet has told me, she does explore them themes quite a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I do find that that's what I that's what we mean when we say that it really picks up in the last half. It gets to the actual interest and stuff. Yeah, it, well, it changed again as we were talking about when we first started the film. Into, uh, sorry, start the show in terms of how it's a dynamics based film. You're waiting for more dynamics to evolve. Yeah, and because because the dynamic between Phil and Peter at the beginning of the film is really interesting, but then as soon as sort of like. Peter goes away, it becomes a lot less interesting in terms of the, the relationship between um, 
George and and Rose is not that interesting at all. It's sort of like because it's rushed so much in terms of to get to a point where it's consoling yeah, each other, and then it, and then they're, and they're married and stuff. So you're waiting for for sort of like new relationships to to form over time, and then once it gets back to a guy that seems seeming like a, it's sort of like a bully situation, isn't it? A bully be, trying to be friends with them with um with him, and yeah, whether it's a case of forgiveness or revenge, that's always the case, isn't it? I think that's just that, that's always the case when when you know a bully tries to be friendly with someone that they bullied. Does the does the victim where the pot's going to go, go along yeah. with it and say, "Oh, I actually do want to be mates with you," or does he get to a stage where no, nah, I'm not having this. I'm going out for revenge. I think and, a lot of it does and, come down and to, it, of course, like his Peter's relationship with his mother, and he's trying to protect yeah, her. Yeah. Because the film opens, I don't know if you remember the quote, but it opens something like, what lengths would someone go to to protect the mother? Yeah. So I think that's, he says that, and then it, he doesn't touch on it again deliberately for a while. So when he wraps back round at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that ha- yeah. that was his motivation. <laughs> and that's but, what probably makes it stand out a lot as a potential best picture winner, because it does go sort of full circle. Um, one thing I will say is apparently... Again, just according to what I've read, it abandons some interesting themes from the books that it could have um, yeah. touched on. So the theme of like parental abandonment, right, the relationship yeah. with the parents, it just sort of touches on it. And funnily enough, um, I recognised uh, Frances Conroy immediately <laughs> by yeah. her voice. Mm-hmm. And considering she, she recently came off of uh, Joker, yep. where she plays like an abusive mother in that, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, is it going to... It's gonna go oh, there. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't end well for her in Joker. I thought, oh, it's, <laughs> this is gonna explode with this character. We're gonna learn a lot about these these two brothers and why the are the way they are. Yeah, and then it just sort of like leave it. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> so I know what people mean when they say that it abandoned this from the from the novel. Yeah, and it could okay. have done. It could have easily touched on that. Yeah. Such is the case with adaptations. Um, yeah, so I think we'll leave it there for today. Um, f- uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think right. uh, very, very interesting film. Yeah, it is. Definitely, definitely. There are some interesting films this year that we can we can talk about in terms of the Best Picture nominees. There's some good ones, some bad ones, which makes it an interesting race rather than there's been a few years where like, oh, they're oh, all quite good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so it's good to have... Um, kind of films that sort of like um separate opinion but i think we're sort of on the same page with this one which is good um yeah as i say i'm going to try and review all 10 of these yeah, we I'm normally looking... argue massively yeah. oh yeah yeah big arguments. stay tuned for that when we get to yeah these, uh, <laughs> yeah these other films. but yeah i'm looking for more collaborators more people to talk about films with so if you're interested just drop me a dm that would be great and um yeah so you can find us on twitter i've set up an instagram account as well just where i'm going to post the graphics that i've been making for this new uh mini series and um that that's all in sort of like the link tree that you can find on twitter and all that and that's also got all the places where you can listen to the podcast if you want to hear previous episodes so from the previous series and all the ones i'm going to be uploading on here so yeah it's some normal places anchor um google podcasts apple Podcasts, but i all those uh places but yeah hopefully do some more of those um uh, up until the ceremony, which, as I say, 27th of March. So try and get them all seen. I've seen seven of ten so far. I still need to see a couple more. But I need people to help me out in terms of reviewing these. So if you're interested, please let me know. Uh, so, yeah, 
thank you everyone for listening and um hope you enjoyed the show and i'll see you again next time thanks very much cheers <laughs>